Hilchus Malvuleva, Perik Chafei, Chapter Twenty Five. So we have we have some new terms in this Perik. So let's pay attention to the new terminology so we get it down pat. Okay. person lends his fellow money. After you had already lent him for whatever reason, someone said to the lender, "Ani I'm going to be the of the guarantor. That it's my responsibility to pay back on behalf of the, of the lender of the borrower if he's unable to pay. That's what the term guarantor means, or oriv. That's an oriv." Like we had in last week's power show, Yehuda says to Yaakov, I take responsibility for Binyamin. Or for example, if the lender is demanding money from the borrower in the Bezdin, and someone else says, not when the court's in the process of trying to take the money, but in the process of the court case, he says, leave him be, I'm, I'm, I'm the guarantor. Uh, well, the reason why I made that clear was because we'll see in the next halacha, if it's when the Bezin is trying to extract payment, it gets a bit more serious. But here, in the random process of litigation, some guy says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the guarantor. The lender was choking, literally, the borrower in the marketplace. Here's my money. Mm-hmm. And someone says, I'll guarantee, I'll be the guarantor. In these cases, this, so to speak, guarantor is not really a guarantor. He's not obligated in any way. Even if he said it so in front of the Bezin, because it, because it didn't happen at the time of the loan. Therefore, it's not considered a commitment. It's something he's not being serious about. If, however, they made a Kenyan, which is where he does an action, to, it's like a handshake in the sense, where, he, the, where the guarantor picks up an item that belongs to the lender, and, or, to, or the borrower perhaps even, and he says, I am obligating myself on behalf of the lend, a borrower, called Elo upon him in all these contexts, whether it's in court or out of court, in that case, he becomes obligated. So making a Kenyan, even though it's not a time the loan happens, but making a Kenyan, that action, that does obligate the guarantor. Now, if, however, at the time the loan is being given from the lender to the borrower, when he says to the borrower, uh, he, 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 the borrower asks for a loan, the lender gives it to him, he, and the lender apparently is reluctant, or even if he's not reluctant, but the fact is, before he actually made the loan, the, the guarantor says, will lend this person money, I will <laughs> act as a guarantor. In that case, even though there's no Kenyan, the answer no Kenyan necessary, by this verbal commitment, that makes him obligated as a guarantor. Because on his verbal commitment, that moved the lender to give the money to the borrower, that obligates him. You're in base, right? Yes. Similarly, if the court appointed him as a guarantor, even though, again, it's not at the time of the loan. It's after the loan was already made. But the court appointed him as a guarantor. That makes him obligated as a guarantor. Even though there's no Kenyan. For example, if, for example, the lender was suing the borrower and the borrower was having a hard time paying or he wasn't agreeing to pay and now the court is ready to force the lender to pay to extract the money from him by force or his property, and someone says to the chorus, leave him be, I will guarantee the loan on his behalf. Since he benefited, he enjoyed the fact that the court said, oh, you're guaranteeing on his behalf? That case, it's fine. We won't force him to pay. We will turn to you for payment when the time comes. Or, whatever, or maybe even today, whatever the context is. But With that enjoyment that he gets, the Bezdin accepts his commitment as, as valid. 
that obligates himself and therefore makes him into a legitimate guarantor and he is now responsible. So it has to be either it has to be that it happens at the time of the loan or it has to be that the person does so on behalf of the, on behalf of the borrower in court, in court while he's being forced to pay. Or it has to be done between, it can be at any other time, but it has to be done with another Kenyan. Those are the three contexts that makes the guarantor genuinely, genuinely obligated. A Kenyan between the two. Yeah. Gimel. Hamavas the first lends his fellow. Now, now that you know what makes you a guarantor, what exactly does a guarantor have to do? someone else through a guarantor. Despite the fact that we know that the guarantor is now obligated to the lender, shouldn't first go to the guarantor when it comes time for the loan to be repaid. First, you go to the borrower and ask him for the money. If the borrower doesn't give it, he refuses, he doesn't have it, he's out of town. In that case, you go to the guarantor and then you can demand the payment from the guarantor. When is this true that, you, that um, the lender can go to the guarantor because the borrower can't pay? He has no money, he has no assets, he has no property, and nothing. If, however, the, guarantor, the borrower has no money, but he does have land or other property, in that case, you should not be asking money from the guarantor. Element of labor, you should be demanding from the borrower. the borrower. So therefore, if the borrower has no cash, you take it to the court, you try to get his property. <clears throat> it's only if the borrower has no way of paying, that's when you go to the guarantor. <laughs> what if the borrower had plenty of money and plenty of land, but he was a bully and there's no way that they can force him to pay? <laughs> For example, he refused to come to the court and they can't make him come. It's a time where the Jewish people don't have their own government. <laughs> that's again another case where it's legitimate to go to the guarantor Guarantor first, uh, so either the borrower has no money, or you're unable to make him pay. In those cases, you go to the you go to the guarantor. Well, the truth is, in the case where he has no money, yeah, fine, okay. And then after the guarantor took responsibility, pays. Then the guarantor now has to go to the borrower and try to get him to pay. If he's able to get him to pay, then he should. Or if not, then you treat the lender regarding the guarantor as you would regarding the borrower. Sorry, you treat the borrower regarding the guarantor as you would the borrower to the lender, for example, which means you can put him in excommunication until he pays back the guarantor. Because when the guarantor pays on behalf of the the borrower, because the borrower had no money or 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 he was a bully, now, the $100 that the guarantor paid the lender, the borrower is supposed to pay the guarantor. Yeah. And if he doesn't, then the Bezin puts him in a ban of excommunication until he agrees to do so. Dalit. If the lender makes a condition with the guarantor, when the guarantor obligates himself, either at the time of the loan or later on when he makes a kinyan, and he says to him, on condition that I have the right to get paid back from whichever of you two I prefer. Nevertheless, if there is property that the borrower has that we know about, he still should not go to the borrower first, even though he made this condition. Now, if there's no known property to the borrower, then because he made this condition, he has the right to then go to the guarantor yeah. rather than forcing the guarantor to go and do an investigation. If they didn't make this condition, then even if there's no known property, then the, uh, the guarantor can say to the lender, excuse me, before you harass me, Go do an investigation. Make sure it's true that the borrower has no property. So this condition does help somewhat to <clears throat> to help the lender go to the guarantor directly uh, if there's no known property. 
Amen. Okay, so then that, that's another first to say. So, so um, if there's if there if there's if there's known property, if we know for a fact the borrower has property, even though the lender says, "Listen, I'm giving this loan to him on condition I can ask the money back from whichever of you two I want," still the fact that the borrower has belongings and items which can be used to pay back, he should not go to the guarantor first. It's only if there's no known items that he can go to the guarantor first. He can go to the guarantor. Amar, if he says, If he says on condition that I'm letting you be the guarantor, I'll give the loan on condition that I'm going to ask the money for whatever I want first. He adds this crucial word first, or, or the situation was such that the guarantor stated that he's a kind of guarantor. It's called a kablan, which we'll describe in the next halacha. We'll explain, next halacha, we'll explain. It means basically accept responsibility to a higher degree. In that case, if the lender stipulated, I'm going to get paid back from wherever I want first, or the guarantor referred to himself as a kablan, in that case, the lender can ask the money back from the guarantor or the kablan, which is a kind of guarantor first, even if the lender, if the borrower, excuse me, has property, Despite the fact that the borrower has property, he can get paid back from his first. Million dollar question. What is the difference between a kablan and a guarantor? What is a guarantor? What is a kablan? Says the Rambam. If the uh, guarantor said, Give him and I will give you. He uses the same terminology. Give this guy the loan. Give him the money to him. And I will give it back to you instead of him. This is a Kablan guarantor. In which scenario he's the type of guarantor. The lender has the right to demand payment from him first. This is the person the lender can demand the money first. Even though there's property by the borrower, even though the lender did not say, I'm going to demand the money back from wherever I want first. It was the guarantor who said, give the money to him and I will give it to you. That obligates the guarantor that, at that level of Kabul. Yeah, but he said, <clears throat> desire first, so it could be either or. If it, so who said the condition? Was it stated by the lender or by the guarantor? If the lender states the condition, in order for the in order for the lender to be allowed to get the money from wherever he wants first, to go to the guarantor, even if the borrower has money, the lender has to say on condition that I'm going to get the money back from wherever I want first. If the condition is made by the guarantor, the guarantor has to say, "Give him, and I will give it back to you." So that's that makes the guarantor a cobbler, because he's called a cobbler. He's a cobbler, except upon himself the responsibility to pay back, even if the borrower has money. However, the guarantor tells the lender, "Halvevani of lend him, and I'm going to guarantee. I'm going to guarantee." He doesn't say, "Give him, and I'll give you." Lend him, and I will be the guarantor. Halvayu lend him, vani pray, I will pay back. Halvayu lend him, vani chayav, and I will be obligated. Halvayu lend him, vani noisin, give it, lend him, and I will give. He doesn't say, "Give him, and I will give." He says, "Lend him, and I will give." Halvayu vani kavlon, lend him, and I will be the kavlon. Even that expression, Quintin Ramam, he's a regular guarantor. Tainla, give him bani kavlon, I will be the kavlon guarantor. Tainla vani pray, give him, and I will pay back. Tainla vani chayav, give it to him, and I'm obligated. Tainla vani vani ar, give it to give it to him the money, and I will be a guarantor. Kulon, Lash, Arvonus, Hain, these are all the expressions of responsibility to be a regular guarantor. That means that he's saying, if the borrower does not pay back, I will pay you. But not that you can come to me first. Therefore, the lender cannot demand the money back from the guarantor first. He, not, he has no right to extract payment from him 
if the borrower has property. Until the lender specifies and says, from wherever I want, I will collect. And he has to add the word first. I will collect first. That's crucial. So if the lender is saying it, he has to say, I will collect from wherever I want first. That gives him rights to go to the guarantor before the lender, before the borrower, even if the borrower has money. If the guarantor is specifying it, he has to say, give him and I will give you. That obligates him to allow the lender to demand money from him, even if the borrower has money. So that's how that works. Vof. That's when he's first. Right. Okay. Arev shel ksuba. The guarantor on a ksuba, right? The guarant- the, the, uh, when a husband gets married, even though the wife didn't lend the husband any money, if the husband divorces his wife, he has to pay her 200 zuz, right? If she's a, if she's yeah. a first time and 100 zuz, if it's, it's not, if it's her second marriage. <laughs> We're not talking now about anything the husband chooses to add on. That's something else. The basic example, the basic minimal amount that Chazal obligated, or perhaps even perhaps it's Dereis, the biblical Torah, obligated the husband to promise his wife in the event the marriage terminates, correct? Even though the guarantor makes a kinyan which obligates himself normally, and it turns out that sometime later the husband divorces his wife, and the husband says, sorry, I have no money to pay Yuxuba. She runs to the guarantor and says, hey, you guaranteed this. You made a kinyan at the wedding. That, or at that, for, the, for the money. So where's my 200 zuz? He does not have to pay. Why? Because he did a mitzvah. And the woman lost no money over here. She was entitled to payment, but she didn't lose anything over here. What the Mepharshim are explaining is, is that he, he did a mitzvah. He caused the woman and the husband to do a mitzvah. Essentially, the woman is worried about getting married because what happens if this guy divorces her and doesn't pay her? Now, the guarantor wants the mitzvah to happen. So he says, okay, listen, lady, don't worry. If in the event that he dies young and you're widowed or he divorces you, I'll, I'll, I will obligate myself, I'm obligating myself to pay the kasuba. He's not really considering that happening. It's called an asmachta. He's relying on that not having to do that. This guy's young, he's healthy. Whatever the situation is, the point is that he's not, he's not assuming to have to pay it out. And therefore, he, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't make a genuine commitment. It was just a verbal uh, boasting, if you will, so to speak. And therefore, since the woman didn't lose money over it, we don't make him feel the obligation. That's the Dhamma's opinion. However, if it's the father of the chassin who's promising the kala to pay out the money in the event that the husband, that his son divorces her, the karamiyadi makes a kinyin, chayvi is chayv. Because when a father promises for his son, that's being genuine. The kabla shal however, if the arv says, if the arv is a kablon by the ksuba, which means he says, Give, marry her, take the ring, say that you agree that you're marrying him, and I'm going to pay the ksuba, right? Or, well, no, that wouldn't make any sense. You're not going to say contain the... Basically, the point is, is that he makes himself obligated like a kablon. Um, basically, yeah, he says, he says, yeah, here, marry him, and I'll pay the ksuba. It's like, it's, it's like he says, it's, it's, like, it's like telling the lender, give him, and I'll pay you back. So give yourself over to him as a wife, and I'll pay the ksuba to you. That's essentially what he's doing, yeah? So that, Chayev, in that case, he is obligated... In the event that the, 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 the husband does divorce her or dies young. And in the case he divorces her, perhaps even the woman can come to the, him first. Without going to the husband and the man in the ksuba, perhaps he's a kabbalah and she, he can, she can go to him first even. But um, maybe not. But he, she certainly can go to him if the event that the husband has no money to pay. He, she certainly can go to the, to the guarantor, the kabbalah, and perhaps again even go to him first before the husband. Zion. Okay. Ruven Shemachal Shimon Sada. Ruven sells a field to Shimon. Or he's trying to sell a field to Shimon, right? Shimon's like, sell me this field. I'm telling you, I'm good for the money. Ruven's like, I'm not so sure. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, the opposite. Shimon says to Ruven, Ruven says to Shimon, buy my field. I'm telling you, it's a good field. And Shimon says, listen, Buster, I'm worried if I buy the field from you, 
your creditors are going to come in the future and take the field away from me. Well, Levi comes and says, listen, Shimon, buy the field from him, pay him the money. In the event that the creditors come and they seize the field away from you, I will reimburse. I, I'm going I'm to guarantee. And then lo and behold, sometime later, Shimon gets a knock on his door and it's the bank and they say, listen, the guy who sold you the field, Ruvain, he owed us money, we're taking the field from you. Runs to Levi and he says, where's my money? You, you guaranteed to reimburse. But Levi, Levi is not obligated. This is Levi's not really being serious about committing himself over here. He doesn't think that he doesn't think that the bank is going to take the money away from Ruvain's creditors and take the field from Shimon. He's hoping it won't happen, so it's not considered a genuine, genuine guarantee. When it comes to regular loan, might, you might argue that, hey, the guarantor is he being serious, and the guarantor hopes the guy's going to pay back. Fact is, the guarantor knows, and the guy takes a loan, and he gets a wad of cash. What's he going to do with it? Put it in the safe and then just give it back to the lender? No, he's going to spend it. And that spending, investment, may go sour. So he's being genuine. He knows there's all the risk over here. When it comes to this situation, he's not being serious. He doesn't hope to have to ever pay this out. He doesn't think it's going to get lost. He spends or he invests? <clears throat> what? He spends or he invests? Either way, the point is that the guarantor who guarantees to pay back on behalf of the borrower knows genuinely there's a real risk he may have to show up with the money on behalf of this borrower. But here... He's not hoping that the, he's not assuming that the guy who bought the property is going to have it taken away by the seller's creditors. He didn't think about that. Therefore, it's not considered a real commitment. If, however, here's the situation: Ruvain is trying to sell to Shimon, so Ruvain's the one bugging Shimon. Shimon's willing. Shimon's the one who who Ruvain doesn't trust Shimon. Now, the previous case it was the other way around. The buyer. He's worried about the, the seller's creditors. Here, the seller is worried about the buyer. Is this guy's going to make a Kenyan, put a down payment? He's not going to pay. I don't trust this guy. So then, Levy comes and says, "Listen, if he doesn't pay you the money that he owes you for the field, I'll, I'll, I'll pay up." In that case, he made a Kenyan. He's going he's to obligate himself to pay the the, the sale, the, pro, the price of the, the sale, whenever, whenever. Um, uh, Whenever the the the, um, the 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 seller or the or the buyer demands he do so because the buyer says I can't pay, it's a chayv. He is chayv because you're a So this is what my teachers ruled, right? So this is where the um, this is where the 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 buyer can't pay up, and the guarantor is is paying the price for the field. So therefore, that that does obligate him. What is the asmachta? The asmachta is. When you make a commitment that's not genuine because you're not thinking it's going to happen, right? So I am, I am uh, committing without committing. I'm committing, but I'm I'm saying if this happens, right? You know, I'm so sure this is going to be fine. This is a great business venture, the ski resort. Well, maybe it won't it won't snow this this winter. If it doesn't snow, I promise you, I'll pay X, Y, and Z. Okay, that's how sure I am it's going to snow. It's going to be a great deal. Mm-hmm. If lo and behold, does not snow. I'm not obligated. It was an esmachta. I said that. I was so sure I wouldn't have to actually come up with the money. I, I was sure it was going to snow. So <laughs> I, I wasn't saying that. I'm really genuine. If it doesn't snow, I'm going to I'm going to pay I'm going to pay you the pay you the money that the ski resort would have made. The opposite. I'm so sure it's going to snow that I'm willing to make this outlandish promise because I don't think I'm going to have to actually do it. Right? Okay. That's why it's, it's called an esmachta. Esmach means rely. I'm leaning on the fact that it will snow. That's why I said, I said this outrageous thing. If it doesn't snow, I promise you my house. 
I didn't think I would have to do that. I was being so I was a smach on the fact that it will snow. The reliance. Exactly. Similarly, what happens if a guarantor, or even a Kabbalan guarantor, who's being very serious, right? Because you can take the money first from him. They obligate themselves on the half of the borrower on his condition. Even though they made a Kenyan, but they're not obligated. They should pay a smachta. Because that's an smachta. Kate said, for example, if the guarantor tells the lender, lend this guy money, give him the money. I'm going to give it to you. Right? So he wants to borrow money from you, $100,000 to open a ski resort. You're not going to lend it to him. You're all afraid. Who says it's going to snow? Give him the money, and I'm going to give the $100,000 back to you if it doesn't end up snowing and his deal goes sour. In that case, I'm not obligated to pay because I was so convinced that it wouldn't, I wouldn't have to give it. Therefore, because I said if, mm-hmm. whenever a person obligates himself on something that he doesn't, he doesn't have to obligate himself. He chooses to obligate himself based on what may or may not happen. He's not lying. That's not considered genuine commitment. Therefore, he's not obligated. That's called an asmachta. Yeah. Tess. Here the Ram is going to talk about cases that you're guarantee a guarantor for somebody, even though you didn't actually say so. You become like automatic. Two people. Here they say wholehearted commitment. Yeah, right. It's not a wholehearted commitment. Exactly. Asmachta means it's not wholehearted. Because I was relying on the fact that it will snow. Two people who borrow with one star. So you and I both want to borrow money from somebody. And we say, okay, put it together with one star. One that we are both borrowing. I'm going to borrow 75, you're going to borrow 75. Put one stat says, we owe you 150. Or we buy something together. Or partners, business partners who borrow from one person. So one of them borrows, sorry, from one person. One of them borrows from the bank. So one of them buys something. But again, they buy together. They are not guarantees one for the other. And if one of them doesn't have the money, one of them has no assets, the other one is responsible to cover the entire thing. So we buy a, a, a partnership of something. We both have to pay half of the money to the bank. But one of us becomes completely bankrupt and has no money. The other one's responsible to pay the entire thing. We are guarantors for each other because we're partners. Mm-hmm. If they don't say so, it's automatic. Yud. Two people who are both guarantors for one person. Right? This guy, this guy, this lender doesn't trust this guy. He says, I want you to be two guarantors. When the lender comes to take the money from one of the guarantors, because the borrower has no money, he can choose whichever one he wants. And if one of them only has enough money to pay for part of the obligation, then he can go demand from the other one. When one person guarantees for two people, you have one guy and he's guaranteeing, let's say this, this lender wants, two different people want a loan from the bank. And this one guy is a guarantor on behalf of both people. When the bank comes to take to get paid back from the, uh, from the people, tell the guarantor whose loan you're coming for. The guarantor needs to know who did he just dish out $1,000 for to go over to him and say, hey, you owe me $1,000 now. I paid on back on your behalf. So the lender has to clarify whose loan he's paying. He's making him pay. When a person tells his fellow, um, okay, so here, here, uh, the guy wants a loan. The guy wants a loan, and the lender says, I don't trust you. Where's the guarantor? Okay, my guarantor is Chaim Yankel. I don't trust Chaim Yankel. He's not a good guarantor. I don't know anybody else. Well, too bad. I can't give you a loan. The guy goes to Chaim Yankel. He says, Chaim Yankel, you, you agree to be my guarantor. The problem is the bank doesn't trust you. 
He said, okay, don't worry. Because I have a friend, Getzel, a bank trust Getzel. But Getzel, maybe he's busy now. So Chaim um, tells Getzel, listen, do me a favor. Or Getzel tells Chaim guarantee the loan. Uh, or sorry, Chaim tells Getzel, guarantee the loan for, for this guy. Tell the bank you'll pay back. And I'm going to guarantee you that if you have to be back, I'm going to, I'm going to guarantee for you. So it's like, I'm a guarantor for the guarantor. So, Be a guarantor for this guy, Chaim tells Getzel. And I'm going to be a guarantor for you. It's as if Chaim told Getzel, Lend him and I'll be a guarantor. Just like a guarantor is obligated to pay back the lender, so too Chaim Yankel is obligated to Getzel. So if, if the lender, if the borrower has no money, and Getzel has to pay on his behalf, then Chaim Yankel must pay Getzel. The, the, the relationship between the guarantor and the lender is the same relationship between the second guarantor and the first guarantor. It's the same idea. Can you be a guarantor for an unlimited, undisclosed amount? Or do you have to know what you're getting yourself into? The Dhamma basically tells us the answer is yeah, you can't be, nothing is guaranteeing an infinite amount because you don't know what you're doing. Someone who did not specify the exact uh, dimensions of the thing he's guaranteeing, tells him, lend him as much as you want, whatever it is, infinite amount, and I'm going to guarantee, or sell it to him, whatever, however much material, merchandise, or land you want. And if he doesn't pay, I'm going to pay on his behalf. Or lend him, and I'm going to guarantee. Some Rishonim say, even if he sold him ten thousand dollars worth of property, or he lent him hundred thousand, the guarantor is obligated because he promised to pay back. However, to me it seems the guarantor is not obligated a penny. Since he does not know the exact number that he's obligating himself. He didn't really rely. It wasn't genuine. You can only be genuine if you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. These are logical conclusions to the understanding person. Someone tells his fellow, how they you lend him money, and I'm guaranteeing the body of this borrower. What does that mean exactly? What are you guaranteeing? I'm not guaranteeing any money. I'm telling you that whenever you want, when the loan is due, I'm going to drag him by the ear. I promise to make him show up and to, 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 to uh, have a conversation about paying you back. Similarly, after he lent him, and now it's time to pay back, and the lender says to him, where's my money? And the guy says, leave him be. Leave him be. And any time in the future you demand him, I will bring him to you. And he, uh, he made a Kenyan. If he did not, does not, if he does not make the borrower show up to court, some say in that situation, he's chayef to pay. Because when the guy, when he's saying, where's my money, pay me back. The guy says, leave him alone. I'll bring him to you whenever the next time you want to uh, sue him, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That's equivalent to promising that if he's not going to be able to do that, I'm going to pay back on his behalf. That's what some say. Some say, however, even if he says clearly, even if he says clearly, leave him be. And if I, I'll bring him to you. And if I don't, or he dies, or he runs away, I'm going to pay his behalf. But that's called an esmachta. 
I'm not being genuine about it. That's what I think, because the guy is relying on the fact that he will hopefully be able to bring him. The fact that the guy has skipped town and then changed his identity and his name and his social security number, that was something he was not anticipating, therefore he's not obligated at all. That's the